Our God has been so wild lately. He doesn't seem to listen. He doesn't obey my commands, and we can't even bribe him with treats. He's gotten so out of hand, he may even have to be put down. God is not the problem here. The problem is the people who want to be the leader of the pack. We reintroduce God. We retrain people. You're listening to The God Whisperers. Welcome to God Whispers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. And I'm Bill Swirla. Today we have a very special Jingle Mary program for you. We're talking about Christmas. This is the God Whispers Christmas Special Edition show. Now, before we get into this, we have to do our usual housekeeping. And uh, Bill, if somebody wants to email us, how do they do that? That would be at godwhisperers at gmail.com, godwhisperers at gmail.com. And if they want to uh, find us on the interweb. On the interweb, we are at at, uh, www.godwhisperers.com. And uh, we have the, the our our new God Whispers Flash Player. Oh, we do. Have you seen that? No, I haven't even. Yeah, seen there that. there are some people having difficulty just from the website uh, down downloading or listening to podcasts because of some quirk with iWeb and uh, MobileMe dot Mac whatever. And so one of my tech boys came up with a a dedicated Flash Player for the God Whispers. So you just click on that thing; it's on the home page, and it's it's actually very cool. I tried it. My wife's Dell. Mm-hmm. And a few other places works really good. Uh, we're also at iTunes. iTunes. That's right. You can subscribe to the God Whispers, and it will automatically, automatically. I can't talk. Automatically come to you as we put the programs up. That's right. Hopefully Which, every Monday or every Tuesday. Monday. Uh, we're we're Mondays uh, when on PCR Pirate Christian Radio. Pirate Christian Radio noon on Mondays. Noon on Mondays That's is right. that Pacific time? That is Pacific. That would be two because p- the whole world revolves around Los Angeles. That- <laughs> <laughs> for the moment. And, uh, yeah, we usually put it up uh, Monday or Tuesday at the latest. Sometimes it creeps into Wednesday, but uh, it, it ends up it, sometime during that week the podcast goes up. Now, you can also contact us by phone. And if you go to, to the God Whispers website, you can find the phone number there because I forgot it again. Uh-huh. Do you remember it? I have no idea. I don't remember. Anyway, and in our next program... We will actually have a caller, <laughs> a, <phone> who, call. <laughs> a brave soul called in, didn't leave his name, but the voice is vaguely familiar. Oh, yeah. And uh, we will uh, uh, play that and discuss his uh, his talking here and, and what he has to say. But So stay tuned for that one next week. Uh, you, know, you swear we have eight listeners and one phone call. Well, that's the way that uh, radio works, I think. Every caller represents something like a hundred listeners, so we, wow. we maybe are three-digit numbers <laughs> yeah, they, here, yeah. or it's just a fluke. I doubt it, sure. but yeah, no, that, that's right. Although we are into our thirty-fourth program, this is 33rd? episode number thirty-three, actually, 33. of no real numerical significance, other than we've just stubbornly been at it for thirty-three weeks, and uh, who knew. Yeah. Who knew that we could stand each other that long? <laughs> it's, it's getting tense. But Now, uh, I, I want to start with something really important uh-oh. here. We are pre-recording this program, as we always do, and today is a very special day in the liturgical calendar of the secular world. You're talking about the O Antiphons here, I take it, right? <laughs> the O Emmanuel Antiphon, the last day of Advent. No. December 23rd. Oh, Festivus. Festivus. Today oh, yeah. is Festivus. Oh, nice. <laughs> so uh, as we go on, if we start to bicker, 
and uh, carry on. There may be an airing of grievances later on, and uh, if we get really out of hand, then there will be wrestling in the feats of strength and, and so forth. So nice. Howling like tuned. wolves, it, I hope. It uh, may happen. That, Who knows? That would be great. We should have done this at <laughs> night to a full moon. Get a few drinks in us. God only knows what could happen. Festivus. Boy, I'm so glad to know that. Now That's you right. Put me, you know, here I was kind of reveling in O Emmanuel and the, the day before Christmas Eve and the last day of Advent, and, and I get Festivus. I get, I get, December 23rd, Festivus. I get Seinfeld. All of you people out there have <laughs> let me down. You've really disappointed me this last year. So there's there's the first airing of grievance that we may or may not hear more of. Well, I, I've got a grievance while we're at it. I, I noticed that our endless thread shrunk. Today. Yes, and 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 I I, I need to we, we need to talk. Well, who's in charge, Eric? Who's in charge of that 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 trail, the Wittenberg? Who's the trail boss on that uh, thing? That would be Eric. When Comstock, somebody drops out of the trail, and I and I know who did this. Uh huh. I know who did this, and and but when somebody dro- they all their comments disappear. We work hard for That's these comments. Happened. Yeah, we work hard for these well, comments. How many did we lose? About fifty. Wow. There can only be one person. Wow. We're tracking you down. That's, well, yeah, I mean, we we he, know who he, you are. He constantly hawks his products. <laughs> we're coming after you. <laughs> if you look closely, I think we've lost all the color pictures of the treasury of daily prayers. Well, we've lost fifty of them. But but <laughs> but we work hard for that. You know, I was hoping to get to four thousand by the end of the year, and I don't know where it's going to be when this program airs. But I'm ticked off right now. We lost. We lost. I'm glad this wasn't when we were taking on the creationists. That's all I can. Say. You know. In in my church, I have a little church, and and I've read books on on churches and how to help them grow and so forth. And most of them are no good. But there's one thing that I that I got out of one book, and I thought that was good. Don't count the people; make the people count. But on the endless thread on the Wittenberg Trail, we don't care about the people; we want the numbers. Yeah, we we're even, all about the numbers. We don't even care about the quality of the thread. No, we're, I mean, we're, we've been getting chutney recipes. That's, as a matter of fact, my, I think you put some up. My, no, I put up my wife's pepper nuts recipe. What is a pepper nut? Oh, it's an anise cookie. It's really good. You'd love them, and they're really tiny. They're about like they're about uh, you know a quarter inch thick and about uh, three eighths of an inch wide. And uh, you just eat handfuls of them. Anise, you just, I you, love anise. You just pound these things, and it's and it uses anise oil, not anise extract, which is mm. just it is just it's it's on steroids. It, it's great stuff. Mm. And I don't even like licorice, but I love these. I just pound these by the fistfuls all Christmas. So. In, in the Italian world, at Christmas we have pizzelles, and those are uh, they're they're kind of like real thin waffle cookies. Oh yeah, I've had got those. A little I've little hint those. of anise in them. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're delicious. But that's kind of what. Goes with well, a, a nice, a nice of, port. Oh, everything goes with port. <laughs> what doesn't go with port? But uh, yeah, well, we're going to be talking about Christmas traditions and all sorts of stuff in in this program. Well, this is our special our, our special Christmas edition uh, to, right. to be aired, I believe, on the fifth day of Christmas. So w- w- by the time you hear this, I hope you're pacing yourself and you haven't dumped the tree out on the curb and uh, just kind of cleaned Christmas out of the house because it is a full twelve day festival. That's right. And, uh, you know, this being the fifth day, uh, speaking of the day that this is aired, uh, we got a lot of, lot of Christmas left to go. In fact, our congregation does its annual Christmas dinner, uh, which my wife cooks. It's a fantastic dinner. We do a variety show, seasonal entertainment. Wow. Variety show. Yeah. I always write, a, a, I always write a, a, a version of Deck the Halls to recap the year, politically, sports, whatever's going on. I mean, this year was rich. So, so th- this is going to be a good year for my Deck the Halls. Uh, still, <laughs> still a work in progress. 
But uh, but at Sunday School Christmas program, we do it all January 4th. Okay. January, so that's the 12th day of Christmas, is it not? Uh, that's about the 10th day of, 10th Christmas, day of Christmas, actually, but, but, uh, or 11th, however you count it. But, but, uh, I can't do math. No, we, we, uh, yeah, that was As, that as was we've seen on the Wittenberg Trail, <laughs> I can't do math. But we, I, I still we, uh, thought that that was a word problem that you put up, not a math problem. <laughs> we, we, uh, we, we've moved all of that to just before Epiphany and, and kind of at the, the latter, the latter stages of the Christmas season. And it works out nice because everybody's back in town. We have a lot of people that go away. Uh, at Christmas time, so it's really hard to do a, any kind of a decent uh, Christmas program or anything because everybody's gone. You know, growing up in the fundagelical world, we'd seen the twelve days of Christmas around the tree or whatever. You know, you'd hear it on the radio and all that kind of stuff. Never a church song or anything for us, uh, but we never really knew what the twelve days of Christmas was growing up. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, just thought I, it was I thought it was twelve days song. before Christmas that you went shopping or something. I I had right. no idea. You are the liturgical master around here. Oh, what is the twelve days of Christmas about? I have no idea. Why? Why twelve? Uh, well, twelve's a good number. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's one of those I, biblical lucky I like numbers. Five myself. No, twelve. I mean, you know the biblical oh, yeah, lucky the numbers: three, and, yeah, the tribe of Israel, seven, tribes twelve, of Israel, ten. Ten's pretty yeah, good. Yeah. But um, and and it it fits. It's it's the twelve days between um, the feast of Christmas and the feast of Epiphany on on January sixth. So if you 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 know, you go in between them. And and some of the days have specific characters. So you, you have the Feast of St. Stephen. You know, they pick that up in a carol. Da, 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 right. On the Feast of Stephen. I like so, that one. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so first martyr of the church. You have the Feast of St. John. Um, Peace of Holy Innocence. Right. Uh, that's a fun one. You know, the slaughter of the babies in Bethlehem. That's, you know, yeah. that's that's uh, that's who, who doesn't want to go out for a burger after that? <laughs> in in fact, that's that is the Sunday. If you're if you're doing the calendar, uh, this Sunday, the twenty eighth, that would have been yesterday, as this program airs, is the feast of the Holy Innocents. So you know, I did not keep, know that. keep that one in mind. There's always my favorite, the name and circumcision of Jesus, the feast of the circumcision. Oh yeah, which it just turns it my just, stomach. Yeah, those two that's... words shouldn't go together. <laughs> It really puts a whole new angle on New Year's. Everybody's everybody's doing the New Year's thing, right? And and then here's 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 the church celebrating the circumcision of our Lord. Snip snip. Yep. So, uh, but but uh, important though. I mean, and and Luke in his text is very very clear that the child has no name. If you listen carefully to the Christmas narrative. He's never named in that narrative. She gave birth to her firstborn a son. You'll find a you know a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. He's simply the child. He doesn't get his name until the next verse. On the eighth day, he's given the name Jesus, as the angel had said. He shall be named, not is named, right? Or is that, am I confused? Don't recall. That? Don't recall okay. the tense of that. But yeah, I mean, the angel told the name to Mary. Uh, before she conceived, but but Luke is very very precise, and and Jesus has no name until he's eight days old and is circumcised. So, uh, it's an important day, and it's part of the twelve days of Christmas. And then, of course, it all sort of culminates with uh, Epiphany, January sixth, and the Christmas of the Gentiles, the visit of the Magi, and mm-hmm. so it's it's a rich season if you uh, choose to celebrate it. Do you have any idea the origins of that song, the 12 days of Christmas, the partridge in the pear tree and the No, I've heard I've heard some Christian interpretations and... of it. I, I haven't really kind of figured out whether that's, uh, you know, backfilling the symbol. I, I heard that it was uh, some sort of catechetical hymn. 
song. I've heard that, and I've heard that uh, while the Roman Catholics were being persecuted in England, when the pendulum kept swinging back and forth between the Protestants and the Catholics, uh, that this was a underground Catholic code yeah. song. Well, no, that's that's the same same yeah. thing. It was it was it was kind of a subversive catechism kind of thing. I, I don't I, I don't know. You have to scopes that one. I, I haven't <laughs> I haven't checked that. Yeah. Out. Well, uh, you know, it's one of those things where there's just a lot of lore so, ling- lingering. Now, in. now, what do you do in your congregation uh, for for the uh, the Christmas festival? Well, like I said, my church is small, and so we we are uh, always at a deficit for numbers. Uh, we've been very blessed to have a young lady with a magnificent voice that we inherited from you, as a matter of fact, Heather. Oh, yeah. And, no, uh, she, yeah, she has she, a lovely voice. She rolls out her, her pipes every year for us now, and uh, just fantastic music between her and my wife. There's uh, just some wonderful music on Christmas Eve. Uh, we tend to do a service of hymns and readings, and I keep my homily very short. And everybody appreciates for that. you. That'd be what about forty five seconds if it's very short. No, you know what? Since my since my sermons have started been aired being aired on Pirate Christian Radio, <laughs> I'm now preaching more. like twenty five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing: you go into broadcasting and the sermons get longer. Right, right. So when I first got to this church, I actually had some ladies complaining that I wasn't preaching long enough, mm-hmm. like twelve, fourteen minutes. As a pastor, preach more. And so I never had that problem before. Everybody was always grateful that I was only preaching twelve to fifteen minutes. You know, and so now I'm giving them longer, but I haven't heard any complaints, so that's a good thing. Yeah. If you ease them into it, they sometimes don't notice until the end and it's too late. Yeah, so. and I put on a real good song and dance show, so <laughs> they, they like that. And uh, so anyway, we do carols and, and readings, and uh, uh, at the end, there's the obligatory Lutheran candle lighting, where everybody has their candles. And they oh, yeah, to Silent Night. Sing Silent Night. Auf Deutsch? Uh, this year... I'm trying to think. No, no, not well, often. Not really Lutheran, but uh, no. yeah, we do the same thing. We 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 you have... do it in German though. No. Oh, okay. No, no. We we and we 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 do the lost verses of Silent Night too. There's some good ones. I don't have them with me, but but there's some. Uh, you know, I don't know who wrote them, but but they they uh they're they're good. They're actually a little bit more Christ centered than the ones that most people know. So you're singing like twelve verses, or you're mm, just six, I think. Wow. And the choir yeah. the choir usually does some some interesting. We, we have a very interesting harmonization of of. It, so we'll break it up nice that. but yeah it comes out nice we do a readings and carols for christmas eve too um no i you know i've never gotten into the midnight mass thing when done well it's really really cool. oh yeah no i don't i don't despise it i've just not not gotten i i, I don't know how many people i would actually get to come out to yeah. something like that yeah. but uh, we're pretty well attended we we have a lot of guests out of towners extended family and so so i keep uh, christmas eve Kind of, uh, I think the readings and carols format works well, and we'll do um, we'll do seven readings. I do I do little short either devotional prose poems or just little uh, readings from Luther or some things after each of the readings. So That's nice, you know, I was thinking about actually breaking out Luther's little Christmas book and mm-hmm. maybe just uh, yeah that Roland Bates book yeah, which is yeah. really nice. It's kind of a it, it's a conflation of of Luther stuff from across many sermons and many years, but right. it, it's really nicely done and and some of Luther's best preaching. I think are are his Christmas sermons. Now I notice that you do have Christmas morning services. Yeah, we uh, do. We actually do the sort of high mass uh, uh, Christmas morning. I, I that's that's the big liturgical service and and Holy Communion. Am I to understand that you have a baptism this year on Christmas? I do. 
That'll be neat. That'll be interesting. Yeah. We are, we always the, the the custom on Christmas morning is we the the intro it is always um, O come all ye faithful in Latin. Well, you're speaking in tongues. Do you have a translator? Not necessary. We all know the text. <laughs> Just the first stanza. But it really it's so cool in Latin, and uh, but that's become a that's become a 16 year tradition here. As long as I've been been there, that's our intro for Christmas morning. And and you're right. Yeah, we have a baptism. So uh, yeah. that you know, we've been on, we've been talking baptism and the God whispers, but uh, what a great juxtaposition of of uh, celebrating the incarnation of our Lord and celebrating the rebirth of one of our congregation's uh, children baptized into Christ uh, all in the same same day. That's, that that's is quite really a day. cool. You know, uh, Easter is usually the big baptism day. Yeah, or the vigil the day before. Right, and uh, here we have. But babies don't wait. I mean, you know, they're no. born, and that's that's the way it is. Well, yeah, you don't want to wait that long. Mm-mm. <laughs> Be a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> Some do. <laughs> but yeah, I waited twenty five years. So but uh, I was good. Yeah, well, that's uh, the Lord caught up with you. <laughs> he wouldn't let me go. Do you do you actually do a New Year's Eve service or a, a name and circumcision of our Lord uh, New no, Year's Day? No, I once again numbers are the problem. I I have a hard time getting more than two people to show up. Mm. And that would be me and my wife. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, you know, a quorum is two or three gathered in the name. So yeah, but I can do that at home with a wife. We got a piano there. I so. suppose. <laughs> I, you know, I did for a while. I noticed in my my sermon archive that I keep, I actually had sermons for the name and circumcision of our Lord. So uh, apparently, according to the record, I used to do services. <laughs> I can't remember them though. Well, if. If it falls on a Sunday, then I would be doing the service. Yeah, no, that, that that would be that would be. Uh, my wife and I like to go away for a few days uh, after uh, after Christmas, and so it's kind of nice to just kind of chill. out. Well, you out have a wedding anniversary shortly after. Yeah, Christmas, that's the too. thing is 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 for us. So uh, uh, Christmas and wedding get intertwined, which right. makes the uh, makes it kind of easy in the gift department. You know, Do you just give one and oh, say yeah, yeah. Merry Christmas and Happy Wedding we're or actually, Happy Anniversary? We're kind of beyond that. I, I we don't do much in the way of gift exchange any anymore because i hate shopping if i can't do it on the internet just forget it i'm, I'm not i'm you know so a lot of times if we go out of town she sees something nice so i'll say let's get it she's happy and you know i'm off the hook we've got a really good christmas present for each other this year carpeting carpeting yeah. oh yeah boy that, nothing says merry christmas like new new carpeting but uh yeah the dog will appreciate it too i'm sure well uh He's contributed to the messing of the old one, but it's just had it. One of the things I love about our Christmas Eve, uh, yeah, we do the we do the candlelight thing too. In yeah. fact, I've just I have just uh, last couple of years introduced uh, can real candles in the hands of actual people. You didn't have that before? No, no, no. We had some people concerned about burning the place down and, you know, wax dribbling all over the place. And I found these cool, these candles with, with a nice cup around them. You know, you see them at these outdoor right. vigils yeah. and stuff. Those are really good and uh, reusable, the whole deal. But but it's really cool now because they'll come into candlelight. And then we also close with, with the extended silent night and candlelight. It's very nice. Very cool. Not, so- a, dr- not a dry seat in the house. Everybody's wetting themselves. <laughs> you, you mean dry eye? I'm sure. Oh yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> I didn't realize your church was that elderly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long service. It actually is. It's about a ninety-minute service. We have a we have a decent choir, and yeah, and, you do, uh, and and so we're able to do a lot in terms of choir pieces, and we'll mix in things like, uh, oh, this year we're doing you know the Holly Bears a Berry. 
uh, which is kind of more of a Carol. Holly Berry? Not Halle Berry. The Holly she bears a berry. But uh, it's it's a great it's a great kind of English folk carol, and uh, we you know we'll 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 mix that in along with uh, sacred hymnody and. Uh, by the way, we're going to do this later on in the show. But what's your absolute favorite Christmas hymn? You know, um, I have a few, but I, I shared this on the Wittenberg Trail. I think "Once in Royal David City" uh, is really one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, we always start the the uh, readings and carol service with that. Yeah, as do we. Yeah, yeah. I, I just love that. I think I fell in love with that when I heard that King's College Choir. Yep. Uh, rendition yep. and i was like wow that is really yeah they got those boy sopranos yeah yeah not, nothing like nothing like that that kind of a soprano no, voice but no. uh, beautiful but yeah no we we use that as the intro at, or the entrance hymn for the um for the readings and carol service i i think mine is probably of the father's love begotten that's one of my favorites also i love that tune we uh we, i think we use it at one or the other christmas services every year Hmm. It's a personal. There's a personal bias because we also sang it at our wedding, <laughs> so it's kind of like our song. And and uh, so, do you and Karen uh, like embrace and sway while the? Yeah, we do a dance. Actually, we 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 we, we do a little dance. Oh, and, there goes Pastor yeah, again. No, it's 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 a nice thing. That's actually a great hymn. You know, that hymn is is it can be sung equally well in Advent. In fact, we did it right. this past Sunday for Advent four. And um, and it can be sung really other times of the year mm-hmm. too, but it it really is it's 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 just singularly beautiful. What section is that in in the hymnal? Is Christmas that in Christmas in LSB and 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 in LW too. It was in Christmas. I thought LW but, was uh, in Advent, but I learned else. that on my vicarage. Uh, the 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 choir on my vicarage did that, and and I had to. I'd never heard it before. Wasn't that where you met your wife also? Uh huh. So and I uh, I, I'd never heard it before, and I I just what is that hymn? And and ever since then, I've just just totally. I, I I'm just I love that hymn. So uh, that's probably my favorite. It, that's a a little bit of a tricky hymn that you need to hear it a couple of times before you can get it. There are a couple of uh, of interesting parts of the hymn. Yeah, it's a that you, it's a chant line. Yeah, and it's not it's not a really regular kind of toe tapping kind of um, kind of hymn. But we'll we'll talk more about some of our favorite hymns. I think a little bit later in in the uh, in the show. I was thinking that it might be uh, fun to look at the Christmas narrative. We could do that, and uh, you know, kind of pull it apart a little bit and look at some of the uh, some of the nuances of the text. Uh, there, there are two. Uh, Matthew kind of gives the Joseph's perspective, but uh, it's not really the one. Matthew gives us Magi. So had we not had Matthew, we wouldn't have Epiphany and and uh, the visit of the Magi. But Luke Luke gives us. Uh, Bethlehem and mangers and shepherds and angels and uh, I always like to say if we didn't have Luke we wouldn't have Sunday school Christmas programs. <laughs> Imagine if you just had Mark. Mark skips the whole thing. Well, or we wouldn't have the Charlie Brown special either. It, that's right. With Linus reading right. Luke two, one of the great moments in tel- a- animated television. That's right. I, I love the that. Actual text. I I love that. I remember that when I was a kid. But uh, yeah, the Luke text is is amazing. Um, and uh, you know when you look at that Luke, um, Luke's quite the author. He he uh, he's taken, and and I'm a I'm a sort of Mark and priority guy. I, I I think Mark truly does come first, and 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 that's the core gospel. And and uh, Luke says in the the opening verses that others have already written. You know that's one thing that people listening might not understand. You said Mark and priority. Are you saying that Mark 
came first chronologically or that Mark has the highest authority? No, I'm just saying that his is the first gospel. Right. And and it's kind of the core synoptic gospel. It, I, it's, I, it's the, I threw that out there because I actually had a parishioner that thought that when I said Mark and priority that I was saying that Mark was the true gospel and the other ones were somehow. Oh, no, 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 no. They all stand on their own. Right. Um, but, you know, we, we call Matthew, Mark, and Luke together the synoptic gospels. That is, they, they look together um, at the same thing. Uh, they're obviously... They're related. Sometimes they're, they're, they quote each other verbatim. Mm-hmm. And then there are times when they, they radically depart from each other. And uh, one, of, one of Luke's departures is these, these infancy narratives. Uh, he, has, he has the Annunciation of John and his birth, and then he has the Annunciation of Jesus and his birth. So he's got John and Jesus paired up very early on. Um, and it's very steeped in the Old Testament. In fact, if you look at the Greek, um, Luke starts... Uh, in Luke one one to four, he writes in high classical Greek. So his prologue is is just a, it's it's written like the ancient Greek historians. And then uh, at starting at verse five with the Annunciation of of John, he switches into kind of a Semitic Greek. So everybody's talking with a Jewish accent at that point, <laughs> and it, it's brilliant. But but what he's doing is he's he's basically calling forward the entire Old Testament. And so this infancy narrative and this birth of, you know, the Annunciation to Mary and Angel Gabriel, you know, last time Gabriel was seen and heard from was back in Daniel. Yeah. And so, so now here comes, you know, here's, here's, here's Gabriel announcing uh, the birth of the Messiah, the son of David, the promised uh, one who would sit on David's throne forever. Um, the temple figures in huge. In fact, if you do the math, it's kind of cool. From the time that Gabriel appears to Zechariah in the temple to the time that Jesus appears in the temple when he's 40 days old is exactly 490 days, or that's Daniel's 77s. Huh. So, you know, I, I mean, never it's heard just, that before. It's a, it's a, it's, but the temple is, is, is Once huge. Once again, you and your math. Oh, yeah. No, that's, that's, <laughs> that's actually A.C. <laughs> Peepcorn. Arthur Carl Peepcorn uh, points that out in one of his... Uh, one of his writings, but it's 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 and it's easy to to do the math because because John is six months older than Jesus, and and if you just work with a thirty day month, you have exactly four hundred ninety days between the time that Gabriel appears to Zechariah at the incense altar to the time that Jesus appears in the temple um, when he's forty days old and you know held in his arms by Simeon. So you have a, kind of a fulfillment, a numerical fulfillment of the seventy sevens. One of the things that I like about Luke is he comes to the party late, and all of his writings here are research-based. I mean, Yes, eyewitnesses, interviews. Yeah. You, you know, he's kind of the, the consummate historian. Right, so he's doing investigative journalism here. Yeah, well, and his background, too, is either write, he's either writing from Caesarea or Ephesus, and both of those are hotbeds of the emperor cult. And and you're already getting legends about Augustus uh, that angels attended his birth, you know, and and that he was miraculously conceived and all of this. And Luke is writing this counter history that says, no, 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 you know, the the true king of kings, you know, is is this one here, the kid, the kid lying in the manger, and that. But but all the stuff is really kind of partly written against the emperor cult too. So with the emperor cult, were they basically just lifting it out of Christian, uh, you know, the the Christian history that had been written to that point? No, I, I think I think what they were doing is they they were just basically amping up the legend of Augustus, you know, because they want to deify him. That that was the big confession that Caesar right. is Lord, right? Yeah, and so so they're just amping up the tradition, and uh, Luke comes and uh, he delivers the true tradition. 
We'll get into this a little bit more when we come back. You're listening to The God Whispers. Welcome back to The God Whisperers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. And I'm Bill Swirla. We're talking about Christmas, Christmas traditions, and the text. The, the Christmas text, narrative. The, the Christmas narrative from Luke. So those of you following along at home with your scorecards and your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 1. Actually, Luke chapter 2. two. We'll take it up at 2. Oh, you want to... Fine. In I'm those days. Got one, I got to go to 2 now. Go to 2. Go ahead. You want me to read it? Yeah, please. Do. I'm going to read the first seven verses here, which uh, basically accounts for the birth. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be enrolled. This was the first enrollment when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be enrolled, each to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be enrolled with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to be delivered, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Familiar text. Yeah. Um, I think it's got some interesting interesting things. Luke is a good historian, so he locates it in time. And, uh, you know, dates wouldn't mean anything because everybody's got a different calendar anyway. So he locates it with the big shots. Okay. Know? So, so the, during the reign of Caesar Augustus, that puts you between 31 B.C. and 14 A.D. And uh, during uh, the time Quirinius was governor of Syria, uh, he was actually a Syrian governor twice, once uh, between 4 and 6 B.C. and uh, once between 6 and 9 A.D. So... Uh, Take your pick, but I'm voting for 4 to 6 B.C. Yeah, there's th- that one's interesting also because a lot of skeptics will pull out that uh, he was the governor later, and they don't seem to understand he was the governor earlier also. And yeah, I actually had had two two governorships, and, um, you know, it, <laughs> it is some interesting little side bits. Uh, you remember the year 2000 and Y2K and the 2000th anniversary yeah, of the birth of Christ? Yeah, it should have been 1994. 94 to 96, somewhere <laughs> in there. And so, yeah, it's typical the way God works. It just kind of lets that slide by without notice, and we're all busy kind of focused on the numbers. Uh, but there is that little error in the Roman calendar, so... Uh, uh, not to be deterred there. It's just kind of bizarre to think that Christ was born B.C. It's just so- something, you know, I, I don't know. But 
it keeps me I, up. It keeps me up at night. Yeah. Once in a while. This 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 kind of could tie <laughs> into uh, John the Baptizer saying, "One comes after me who was before me." Yeah, like, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just typical the way God works. I think um, the um, Caesar Caesar Augustus, I guess, had three uh, three census taken, and uh, this was the first one. Uh, it actually was taken in eight. Uh, BC, which causes some people difficulty, but this is no small feat, and it takes literally years to accomplish. And so, so uh, you know, this could easily have been at the the tail end of it or something like that. I, you know, it's 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 not out of the question. It doesn't doesn't call into question Luke's accuracy here. In fact, uh, a lot of times when Luke has been challenged, he he proves to do quite well once the archaeology is in. Yeah, you know, Luke's been vindicated any number of times in the Book of Acts. I actually just made a note and a really good resource at home if if you ever want to order it. If you go to uh, Lutheran Visuals or is it Christian Visuals? Lutheran Visuals, you can just Google Doctor Paul Meyer. Oh yeah, Jesus Legend or Lord? And yes. he does a really nice treatment on this whole. Thing. Yeah, Paul Meyer does a great job of bringing together archaeology, history, and and, and 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 the biblical text. Yeah, that too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, that comes in. It now. so happens. No, he really does a great job with that, and uh, he's also a very engaging speaker. I love to he listen is. to him on, he on is. stuff like that. But he's, anytime I roll out the DVD player at the church and the and the video projector, all the ladies are hoping, "Is it going to be a Doctor Paul Meyer video?" Is it gonna be? <laughs> <laughs> he tells a good story. He does. He's excellent. The um, and so you have you have um, you, you know you have you have all the the major players. You, you have uh, Augustus, Caesar Augustus. You have Quirinius. You know Luke does this again at the start of Jesus' ministry, and and there he's got a whole bunch. He's got all the tetrarchs. He's got everybody named. But this is how you locate things in history. This is not myth or fable. Uh, it's like the, the the Apostles' Creed, where we have Pontius Pilate, you know, suffered for us under Pontius Pilate. What's he doing in there? It's locating it's locating the whole thing in human history. So this actually happened. This is real stuff. There there doesn't seem to be a lot of this kind of historical uh, gravitas, I guess you could say, that goes with many other religions. Uh, we don't seem to have a lot of this kind of evidence backing up a lot of things. Um, Muhammad did live in a certain period in time, and there's no doubt about that. And the Buddha at a certain period in time, you know, there's no doubt about that. But this lays out a real foundation for a lot of the veracity of what we believe as Christians also. Well, I think I think Luke's unique contribution also is to to demonstrate that the incarnation is a pivot point in history, that, that, that something unique happened. Yeah. 2000 years ago so, something that and it happened in such a way that that it caught attention of angels and shepherds but it completely bypassed all the power brokers of the world you know it's a great this text has a great juxtaposition between a caesar who's trying to be a god and god who's becoming man and is is basically coming in as a weakling as as yeah. this little infant not not just becoming man but becoming a blue collar man <laughs> yeah right i mean just kind of hanging out in bethlehem yeah bethlehem is an interesting town too it's a, it's a, you know obviously the the target of prophecy micah 5 uh, speaks of a time when bethlehem would uh, you know produce a king whose origins are from old from ancient times uh, bethlehem was the birthplace of king david the shepherd king Burial place right. of burial place of Rachel. Um, the the name is means house of bread, which is kind of fun. Uh, so you know, think of Jesus as the bread of life. 
And uh, nice. yeah, so nice. so you know it's kind of Judah's bread box there, and and there he is. So you know it's all kinds of really there's there's nice image. Bethlehem's an ancient town. Now Nazareth is not found in the in the Old Testament. So Nazareth was a new development um, in the high country of Galilee, which explains what Joseph was doing up there. He's a contractor, so lots of building going on, and uh, and you know it makes sense that he'd be up in Nazareth because right. that's uh, all right. the new developments, all the condos and gated communities were going in up there. So that's going back to Dr. Meyer again, Paul Meyer. Uh, you know he he talks about how in the developing area there, all the building and everything, it's natural that Joseph would immigrate to that. But also that uh, Joseph's trade seemed to be his main thing was farming implements. And uh, there's history that comes after the time of Christ that says, you know, many of these uh, plows that he made and so forth are still in good use today. And so Hmm. he made, he made plows and shears and all sorts of stuff like that also. But it would also make sense that someone with that kind of skill would would go to where there's building going on as well. I mean, people would be needing someone to help them with now, their house. Now, now I'm interested in this: is that that he and Mary go off to Bethlehem, about a three day journey or so, I believe, right. and uh, they're not yet married. Uh, Luke Luke uh, calls her his betrothed, so they 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 haven't yet married. Um, and she's quite pregnant. I mean, she's pregnant out to here, about to deliver. I mean, this is kind of this is kind of weird and scandalous, right? Yeah. At at, at any number of of ways, um, you know, makes me wonder how she convinced her parents <laughs> to let her go. <laughs> but uh, I always think of the parents. You know, we know that Joseph was convinced by a dream and an angel appearing to him in a dream, explaining the whole situation because he didn't believe it. Right, you know, because yeah. these guys aren't like buffoons. They 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 know virgins don't conceive. Okay, they're, they're not going to buy this story, and and it takes a little bit of divine nudging to get them to buy into it. Right, he sought to have her put away quietly. Yeah, know, privately actually. Um, and and I think that that's that's a neat detail because it's it's that he's a just and honorable man. Yeah, he's a good guy. He wants to 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 cut her loose so she can properly marry the father of the child. Is what he's doing. Probably. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 it. Rather than subject her to public humiliation, he just kind of wants to quietly bow out and and let her marry the the father of the child. And that's when the angel intervenes and says, nope. mm -mm." (laughs) According to the law, he probably could have dragged her out to the edge of town and had everybody throw rocks at her. As I understand it, they hadn't done that in in ages. Uh, Although Jesus busted up a gang of. uh, Yeah, that was that was I don't think that was bogus. They they, they were they were were setting him up. They were that was one of those setups. Yeah, because they still want to know what he was writing in the dirt. Right. Yeah. But no, (laughs) when they wanted to crucify Jesus, they had to get him over to the Roman government because they couldn't they could not do their their capital punishment legally. Yeah, no, they. I don't. I as far as I understand, they hadn't done any stonings for adultery in a, in a long time. But I may be wrong there. But I, I don't. Uh, um, there's nothing like a good stoning. Every <laughs> now and then. But you know, I find it interesting, verse five, that they they are not yet married. You know, and it never says when they got married. Uh, it, it, that's just that just kind of that moves on, and and you know, Luke just moves on with the narrative after that. But uh, um, the other thing that that interests interests me is is. Uh, uh, the way Luke describes this, he, he says, um, uh, while they were there, the time came for her to be delivered. She gave birth to her firstborn, Prototokos, the firstborn. Um, I don't know how much Luke is influenced by Paul. You know, the, Luke is, is Paul's personal physician. And uh, Prototokos is, is, is a key term in, Colosh, in, in, uh, yeah, in Colossians 1, where Christ is the firstborn of creation. 
And so, so it's the same word. Uh, they were also saying that of Augustus, that he was Prototicus too. So there may be a little anti-Caesar uh, mm. dig going on yeah. in, in this. Um, but you know what interests me is, is Luke is a physician, and he records nothing exceptional about the birth. Oh, so you're thinking like uh, those who would say that uh, Jesus came out of the side of Mary or something well, like that? Well, uh, you know, the, the, the sort of the, the pious speculations that, that concern the nature of her giving birth, you know, was she spared the, the, the amplified pain of, of Genesis 3? Was her virginity biologically intact or something? Um, it, it, it just strikes me, this is, this is a total argument from silence, but it's authoritative silence. Luke, yeah. Luke is a physician, and, and he uses medical language all the time to describe the healings. And he, you know, I mean, he's really kind of into the details of these things. And here he, he describes it the way he would describe any birth going on in the first century, right down to the swaddling cloths. This is all ordinary stuff. The manger's a little strange, but but that's explained away. It does make you think that if a doctor were to find out that something amazing had happened here in this birth, that he would mention it. He'd be all over it. Yeah. You know, yeah, because, that's, that's because, because look, I mean, the, the story is huge, because uh, no sooner is he born, we get to the next section— the heavens open, angels are singing, uh, you know, shepherds are, are, are drawn into the event and everything. So it's, it, this is, he's got plenty of extraordinary stuff going around. Now, I know the Semper Virgo crowd are up there jumping up and down right oh, now. Oh, yeah. Well, they, you know, they can skewer me. I, all I'm saying is what the text <laughs> says or it doesn't say. I'm just, I'm just interested that Luke, Luke, the physician evangelist, who's very interested in medical details, does not record anything unusual about this other than to simply call her, uh, call him her firstborn uh, and, and describe what any mother of that time would have done, and that is to wrap her infant in cloths to protect his bones and uh, uh, provide him with warmth and serve as diapers and, uh, and then lay him in a manger. Now, <laughs> that, that's where the story gets a little different, but... Uh, um, it it does, but it's recorded. You well, know, this, and, and that's the sign out of the normal. That's the semeon for the shepherds. Right, is the manger. Right, because yeah. it's not every day you see a, a a a baby in a feed box. No, not too often. And uh, you really don't want the pigs getting near them. And actually, yeah. Now I don't. I, I've I've heard uh, um, a number of things. I heard that Ken Bailey was on issues, etc. I didn't get a chance to hear him, but but uh, I've read some things that the manger may not actually be of uh, just a box like we depict, and they're probably not in a cave, and there wasn't an inn because they didn't have Motel Six. We know that from like the Passover, when Jesus has to have a Passover meal with his disciples in Jerusalem, he he borrows an upper room from somebody, and you were obligated if you lived in Jerusalem to keep your spare rooms prepared for pilgrims. So here's all of Bethlehem clogged with relatives; they're all related. And uh, and and uh, what I'm told is that the the the, the term for for inn is really the guest quarters, kind of the second story of a house, hmm. and. And this, see, this makes a lot of sense to me. There was no room for Mary and Joseph, especially a Mary pregnant about to deliver, in the guest area where people slept kind of hostel style. And so, you know, aunts and uncles, the place is just crawling with relatives because they're all there because of the census. And so where's the logical place to put them? On the first floor where they parked the animals. 
Well, there they would have a little more privacy because she's going to be doing some screaming it, here. <laughs> it's warm, it's safe, it's private, and uh, you know it just it makes it makes all the sense in the world. So it's not like they were rejected; they were sent off to some cave or or something like that. It's a little bit like saying there's no more room in the house, but we got a nice warm garage. Hmm. You know, because the, the, these animals were actually somewhat indoors. Uh, they, these were their these were their pack animals, the animals that they took along with them to uh, to for the journey and stuff. And so it it presents a different picture. And, and you know what adds on to that is when the shepherds come and uh, tell what they've heard. It 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 says when everyone or all who heard it, uh, or uh, let's see, I got to look for the text here. But it says uh, when when everybody who was there heard it. All who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. There's more. There are more people there than Mary and Joseph. So the whole second floor is kind of listening into this testimony of the shepherds, you know, and they're kind of looking down. And uh, there's this newborn there down, down, you know, with the animals. And so it, it's an entirely different picture than this, this, this isolated couple with the baby and you know the shepherds kind of crawling into a cave or something like that. So I don't know. I'm just. I like to deconstruct nativity scenes in my spare time. Yeah, I'm. I'm just trying to look at the Greek here and see if it gives any real indications. Have you done that? Looked at the Greek on that? Well, or? the word for in is kataluma, kataluma. right? Um, and that usually that refers to the guest quarters of a family house. Um, and and so yeah, they didn't have inns. There, sorry, there was no innkeeper. <laughs> the, but people who lived in people were accustomed to opening their homes to strangers, relatives, visitors. And especially at a time like this, where you have big tax uh, census and people are you know the place is crawling with out of towners, and they're all related. They're all of the house and lineage of David. Hmm. So compelling. I like, you know, I like my nativity scene. I set it up all the time, but yeah, we got to kind of sometimes untweeze. Uh, Maybe we need to put them in the garage, put them in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. So long as it's heated, but a nice finished garage. So that's you know those are those are some thoughts. Luke is very clear there, clear with this text though is is that you you have you have Caesar. I, I love this. The, the the paragraph starts with Caesar and it ends with a baby in a manger. Mm. And there's the real king. There's the divine king. There's the firstborn. Quite a juxtaposition. Yeah, I think it's. I think there's a sense of intentionality to that paragraph too. You know, it's a little Caesar dig. Nice, nice. On to the shepherds. Yeah, you want to read that? Eight through whatever, 14? Sure. Excuse me. I'm getting warmed up here. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, to, uh, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Mm. You know, if we didn't have Luke, we wouldn't have all these canticles of the liturgy either. No, we'd have to find other stuff to Magnificat, say. Benedictus, Gloria and Excelsis, which you just read, and mm-hmm. the Nuc Dimittis from Simeon. Uh, all these are great, great uh, hymns uh, from the liturgy come out of the first couple of chapters of Luke. 
Yeah, we'd find other stuff to sing though. If we have it. <laughs> I'm sure we'd Kumbaya, be okay. yeah, we, that's what we'd be. <laughs> Shepherds out in the field. Um, usually they bring them in at night. Well, this would indicate kind of warm weather. Not necessarily not lambs. It would it, it it would indicate the presence of lambs. Hmm. But that could happen any time of year. So it, it it's not going to help you locate when. Explain why if there are lambs they would be in the field versus they don't they don't move terribly well. They're 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 just hanging with their mothers. You can't you can't sort of round them up and and get them back to the pen. Never having been a sheep herder myself, I'll take your word for that. Mm. So. Well, it it lends to this really nice, uh, though Luke Luke is not implying this necessarily, but it lends to this nice, you know, uh, here they are with their newborn lambs, and they're about to hear about the Lamb of God, mm. newborn. Right. So, you know, shepherd coming to see the good shepherd. There's all, all kinds of really really neat connections. I don't th- I don't think Luke is intending them necessarily, but they're certainly there nonetheless. Um, angel of the Lord. This thing is filled with Old Testament stuff. This this sounds like it's pulled right out of the Old Testament. You know, a lot of the angel of the Lord stuff in the Old Testament seems to be kind of Christological that perhaps the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament may often, if not always, have been the pre-incarnate Jesus. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I, I I think it's especially like in Exodus 3 right. and some other places. They, they, that There the angel of the Lord actually um, is identified with the Lord himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are other times when the angel of the Lord is just a, a messenger of the Lord. Yeah, and, and that's that's really important to remember is that angel is messenger. It It's not necessarily always what we're going to assume that it is, you know, these heavenly beings and and so forth and so on. It may simply be someone bringing you good news or even bad news at times. Yeah, it's news, though, (laughs) one way or the other. Right. I love how the first words out of an angel's mouth are, fear Fear not, not. (laughs) implying that he's just scared the daylights out of them. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, this is not something uh, that's, oh, look at the little chubby cherub floating in the sky. in the last 15 (laughs) years, we've almost seen a, a cult of angel worship that's arisen and of course it's always a pretty lady with wings mm-hmm. or but if you look at Isaiah you've got angels here with six wings and they're quite brawny and and definitely terrifying yeah everybody's everybody's usually flattened at the sight of an angel yeah and, and these shepherds are you know and shepherds aren't necessarily wimpy people these are these are outdoorsmen yeah and uh, but they're they're just they're terrified yeah and uh, but they get good news they get gospeled by this angel and That's not uh, all bad you know, and and the gospel is really Luther keys in on verse eleven. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior is Christ the Lord. And I'm reminded of the Catechism. The words uh, for you require all hearts to believe. Right. That's really that's gospel. We've talked about this in preaching. If you don't say for you, you really haven't preached the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so this this angel is is a gospel preacher, and and these shepherds are to take this personally. This child's born for them. That's one of the things that I love about the sacraments is they they leave us without doubt that it's for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, I receive the bread and the wine, the body and blood. I receive the water in me, on me on baptism. I receive the pastor's hand on top of my head when I hear the words of holy absolution and private confession. You know, there's no doubt when it's individualized at that point that it's not for the guy next to you only. It's it's for me. Right. Or what Christ did for all he does for you. Right. Uh, which you get here, too. To you is born this day. Uh, but this is this is good news of a great joy which will come to all people, not just some of the people, but mm. all people. So you have the universality of Christ and the specificity 
you know, that, that this, this Christ who is for all is for you, and uh, you have the privilege of going to see him. Hmm. So, uh, and, and these titles, Savior, Christ, Lord, I mean, these are the big titles. This, right. this, is, this, is, this is it. This is, this is almost like a creed. Uh, in fact, uh, going back to the Caesar cult, Caesar, you know, laid claim to those titles too. Soter, Savior, not Christ, but, uh, and Kyrios. And so, so here's the true Savior, the, two, the true Lord, the true Christ. Very cool. Unto you is born this day in the city of David. City of David, once again, we're finding the lineage of David uh, tied in here that this is where they went to be counted in the census and that you come to the house of your ancestors or, or the city of your ancestors in this case, and there you you sign your name on the dotted line and then go home, I guess. But uh, that's also another good thing there. And they, they get a sign of say mayon. Uh, you know, you look for a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. So, so you, you know, you got to put all to, all three together. You need a baby, swaddling cloths, and a manger, and uh, and you got it. That's the one. Uh, not exactly what I would expect of Christ, Savior, and Lord, but that's the that's what the Lord delivers. Yeah, <laughs> you know, what I, you, it, it makes you wonder. Did they just start? Going around looking in barns and stuff. Uh, oh, nope, not in here. Let's go. The Bethlehem's pretty small town. I think a couple of questions and uh, kind of put your ear to the yeah, track. Yeah, that's a good and, point. And you, yeah. uh, you, seen you, any you, pregnant ladies around? Yeah, right. Uh, not to. I, I can't imagine there were too many babies born that night in Bethlehem. So good call. Uh, you know, good the word call. the word to get out. Yeah. What do you make of the song? Glory, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom He is pleased. Uh, that last phrase, among men of good will. Right. Uh, what does this mean? Well, I, I, I'm a big fan of this, personally. But uh, with whom he is pleased, here comes the one that causes God to be pleased in us. Ah. That uh, unto us is born a Savior, and through the Savior, God is well pleased with us, as his baptism is transferred to us as well. So you get this, sometimes you get this Calvinist view, uh, the, the, the peace among men uh, with whom he is pleased. Not everybody, but those with whom he is pleased. Yeah, well, they're a bunch of nuggets. And uh, well, see that that you, you catch that in Wesley's hymn, "Once for favored sinners slain." And see, he's he's kind of picking up on this. And that's which, am, which hymn is that? Uh, Lo, he comes with clouds descending. Once for favored sinners slain. We changed it to "Once for every sinner slain." Ah, just to eliminate the ambiguity. Yeah. But the ambiguity is in here too, and it's not really easy, it's not resolvable. Is is it for for the, those men who are of God's good will? Or is it that God's good will now extends upon men because of this birth? Who are favored sinners? That's <laughs> there you See, go. if Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, uh-huh. then he's... See, it's easy, it's, it's easy to be a Lutheran because is means is and all means all. And, you know, it's, it's quite simple. We well, don't, we don't do too much tap dancing Bill around Bill Clinton this. was Baptist, and there are a lot of Calvinists in that church. So <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're going to run short on yeah, time. Yeah, we are. Let's, we are. let's, let's just through. grab, grab the, the, the last of this, okay, just so we can say we read it. Okay. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem to see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. That seems logical, doesn't it? And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the same which had been told them concerning the child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary kept all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. 
So you know this kind of brings the the whole the whole narrative to its conclusion. Uh, he's adored by shepherds, and they become the first proclaimers of of his birth too. And tell the story not only to uh, uh, the guests but to Mary herself, and she she takes it all in. Yeah, that's one of the things that jumps out at me here is Mary uh, treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. She has no idea what's to come. She <laughs> no. she has no idea that her son is going to be nailed to a cross and die for the sins well, of the world. She when she brings him to the temple at forty days, you know, yeah. she hears that a sword will pierce your own soul too. You know, this child mm-hmm. is destined for the rising and falling of many in Israel, and so the cross looms really large here. Right. right. But uh, you know what I love? I, what I love about all the all the these narratives and and Luke, you never get a quote from Mary. There are hmm. very few, very few quotes from Mary. Well, she's worn out. You know, <laughs> she, <laughs> no, just, she just had a kid. I, but you know, she's, she's you know, glazed over. What's at this the point. last word from the scriptures from Mary? I have no idea. You know, I mean, we get the Magnificat, and we have the little conversation with the angel, and 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 that. But but what's the last word from from Mary? It comes in John chapter three. Do whatever he tells you. Is that the last thing that That's we hear? That's the last from her? thing we hear from her. What a great last word from the mother of our Lord. At, Do whatever my son tells you. <laughs> at the inauguration of his ministry. Absolutely. There it is. And then and then she fades into the background. Well, then yeah, no, absolutely. So it it we are that's the Christmas narrative and we're just kind of reveling in it. Uh you got one more quick uh, favorite Christmas hymn before we run out of time here. Uh, well, um, put in a plug let me, for let me something go back here. Back to my hymn list here. I'm ready. Uh, I'm going to read my list. My my. Oh, top, don't read the list. Give me one. Here. Give me one. Low how a rose air blooming. Nice. You That's know they took one. Mary out of that. And now they put it back in again. I did not know. She that. is the rose. What about you? Um, oh, rejoice, ye Christians, loudly! It's in the New Year's section of LSB. Hmm. A marvelous 17th century hymn with this great line, neither crib nor cross refusing. Mm. All he suffers for your good (laughs) (laughs) to redeem you by his blood. That's excellent. There it is. On that note, we have to wrap things up. A very Merry Christmas. Blessed Christmas to all the God Whisperers listeners and and everybody out there. And uh, we'll be looking forward to more whisperings in the new year. That's right. And don't forget, there are 12 days of Christmas, so visit that swag store. (laughs) 